You're listening to The College Loop, your number one podcast for Auburn sports, talking all things orange and blue every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Hey, you know what to do. You're grown. You know what's right. 19, 16, I I never know exactly what those mean, but we're somewhere in that ballpark. It's 1 o'clock in the afternoon in Auburn, Alabama, and this place was lit. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop Podcast, episode 52 of the College Loop Podcast. Just me today in this new studio. Uh, Tar is at a wedding. Daniel has some school come up. So it's just me chilling, just Jay chilling. And just remember, if you're watching the video, make sure to go like and subscribe. Or if you're watching, make sure to go follow and support and rate the podcast as well. But just to get right into it, talking about football, it's been a pretty busy week on the planes. Uh, I say week, past couple of days, uh, where it's draft season. It is NFL draft season, baby. It is on thir- the NFL draft is on Thursday, April 27th, the day before your boy starts his Michael Jordan year this Friday. So, of course, go make sure to hit your boy up. It'll probably be brought up uh, on the Thursday episode. But just to get into the Auburn uh, players that y'all definitely want to hear about instead of me, I looked up some mock drafts. I found one that I thought was very interesting. Uh, Chad Reuter, who is more of a psycho when it comes to NFL draft than I could ever dream of being, he made a seven-round NFL mock draft where he has four Auburn players getting drafted. And believe it or not, Derek Hall was not the first one off the board. It was Owen Papo, round three, 80, uh, pick 80, uh, round three, pick 83. There we go. Tongue twister with that one. Owen Papo going to the Seattle Seahawks. After that, in round three, pick 89, Derek Hall going to the Giants. And round five, going to round it out with Tank Bigsby going to the Chargers. And at pick 156, and then pick 176 of round five, Colby Wooten going to Indianapolis. So that is a lot of key Tigers that we've been talking about throughout the uh, draft season, draft like era. Uh, Ekuliota not mentioned anywhere unless I missed him, which I don't think I did because I made sure to control F to find him. He wasn't there. Uh, I was kind of surprised that like Shedrick Jackson or after his pro day or John Samuel Schenker after their pro day wasn't like anywhere in like round seven ish, but they're definitely going to get picked up after their pro days. But to get started with, I was kind of shocked in a way that Derek Hall fell to the third round, especially pick 89. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, I personally, I put up my own mock draft. You can go look it up on the College Loop Twitter. Make sure to go follow that. Uh, you just catch all the news when it happens. So, I have Derek Hall going around one uh, towards the end of the draft, uh, end of the round, and even then, I have him at second round at the worst. So I'm not really sure what everyone else is, is missing that I'm seeing because I think Derek Hall is the most complete player on this uh, out of the Auburn draftees. And I look at it from the standpoint of I, I can understand where they're coming from. Papo, take him if he's there, and you need a linebacker, take him right there, get him. Because you're getting an athletic monster of a human being who is going to develop and is going to be a star in the making wherever he goes. But just go along with the fact that I find it really odd that Owen Papo is going to go before Derek Hall. Because believe me, if you ask anybody, 
Derek Hall is a round one, round two guy. And if that, he's still the first Tiger you should be taking off the board. He, he is up there in terms of edge position rankings. He is like edge four, edge three in some places. Very little is he edge like seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, I, getting him at round three almost makes him to steal a draft. And they can go further, but that further than that, Colby Wooten in the fifth round, that is going to be a steal if that is how this is going to happen. But, you know, he just, Chad Reuters is a, a psychopath who did seven rounds of a mock draft. So he might have just been doing something to, get, to make the time go by faster because Colby Wooten in the seventh, in the fifth round, he must have just been – well, they need, a, they need a defensive lineman. Oh, I left Colby Wooten on here. There he is. But, yeah, uh, get ready for the NFL draft. We'll be talking about it throughout the rest of this week on the Tuesday and Thursday episode to get you all pumped, get you all ready. For the NFL draft, as much as I am, believe me, if you see me on draft day, I will be wearing my Panthers jersey because I am going to be praying every minute leading up to the first pick that the Panthers don't mess up that first pick. So uh, join me on my uh, stress train on that. Go Bryce Young from what I've been hearing. Uh, If he wins rookie of the year, I will be buying a Bryce Young jersey. Don't sue me. Don't attack me. Don't come at me. If he wins rookie of the year – I'm a Panthers fan too. I will be supporting my quarterback. That's just that's just how it's going to go. But to get into more college football centric news, uh, the NCAA just passed a law for college football with a new rule regarding first downs. Uh, so now, I believe going into this next season, the clock will not stop after first downs until the last two minutes of the game. So from what usually is like a get the clock stopped, he can hurry up and get the get the formation back. It's not going to be more NFL-based, NFL-like, which worries me a lot because I've never really heard anyone complain in my lifetime about the length of a college football game. As a fan, I've never really complained about it. Uh, and I've had friends that don't that, that would love to watch more of those uh, LSU, Texas A&M, seven-overtime games. That is what college fans love about the sport, just the craziness of it. And I don't understand if they're trying to make it go faster in some way, shape, or form, just for, like, I I, I don't know. Uh, and uh, this is one of those things where it's like they're missing the problem with the length of the game. I have never watched an Auburn game. I've never watched any game that I've chosen to watch and went, dang it. Overtime, dang it. Second overtime, dang it. Thir- third overtime. Around the time it gets to that, fr- that overtime is whenever you start to sit up in your seat and get ready for what's going to be a pretty fun last five, ten minutes, 30 minutes of a game. Because that's what college is about. The thing that differentiates college ball from the NFL, to me at least, college ball is way more fun to watch than the NFL. I can watch any college ball game that I out there. I- I'll watch uh, Central Michigan versus, I don't know, uh, SMU, if it's on. Uh, I, you can't get that with me for most NFL games. And I see that they're trying to get more NFL-like rules, like the first down. Uh, and they've already fixed overtime. You can't see the quotation marks because it's a green screen. They've already fixed overtime in a sense to make the game shorter, but it didn't really make it shorter because we saw with the Penn State, and I believe Iowa, or Penn State, Illinois, where they did a 12-overtime game. 
it felt just as long as the seven overtime game. This is like that. If I had to put my finger on it, I would figure I, I would figure this is just a way to make the game shorter for player health is how I think they're trying to go about it. Cause you know, if the clock's going faster, the game's going to get over faster. We can get out of here quicker. The game will only be two hour, two hours and 30 minutes instead of three hours. Here's the thing that's slowing down college football. I've watched plenty of games in my lifetime where it has gone to commercial, came back for a kickoff, gone back to commercial. And it was two minutes, two minutes, 30 seconds. So that was four and a half minutes with 30 seconds of playtime where it was four minutes of commercial. The issue of college football is not the game. It's what's going on around the game. Like TV timeouts slow down the pace of the game. It was the same thing in basketball. It just slows down the pace of the game. It takes momentum out of the picture at times because there, there are moments where the team is just in a motion, goes to commercial, you lose it because it's not a timeout to stop momentum. It's not a timeout. It's not a timeout by the other team to stop momentum. It's a timeout by the people broadcasting the game. And I get you got to make money. Believe me, if someone wanted to give me an ad, give me sponsorships, I will stop the show to do a sponsorship because that is helping me out so I can make more uh, content for y'all that y'all love and support like y'all have been doing anyways, even without the sponsorships. So keep that coming, please. But my point is, I just don't think this is a good move because, again, like I said, no one is watching college football in today's day and age and complaining about the length of the game. It just doesn't happen. It has never happened. If someone has said that if someone has complained about the length of a college football game, like a normal college football game, no overtimes, they're insane. College football is three hours of pure nonstop chaos, fun. It's the best sport to watch, to me at least. That's just my opinion. I mean, I understand People in the Northeast love the NFL, love MLB. I mean, people in the South love it too for the Braves. But college football is different. <clears throat> it's a sport where everyone that is that loves it, loves it no matter what. I've seen a lot of comments trying to say they're trying to pester to a crowd of non-college football lovers. And that kind of seems what it's like. They're doing it in baseball. We're trying to make the game shorter so more people will watch it. College football has never had the issue of viewership. It's never had an issue of length. And this is trying this is trying to fix an issue that's not broken. Uh, I wish I had some other some uh, second mind here to talk to me about this, but uh, y'all just leave a y'all leave a comment below. Just let me know what what do you think of the new NCAA rule about the first down, letting the clock stop throughout the entire game except for the last two minutes of the game. Now to get into more Auburn-centric news. Portal players, uh, it's still portal season. Portal is still rocking and rolling. Auburn has yet to have picked up a single player from the portal. Uh, they've lost five since this portal period has started, but they have not gained a single one. And I went through a couple of guys that I think Auburn should be going to, and I have a couple of guys on here that are or have been on visits or are going to be on visits very soon. Uh, first guy I'm going to bring up, I'm going to start with quarterbacks. Everyone wants to talk about quarterbacks. Everyone loves the quarterbacks. Loves uh, being in very massive uh, 12, not 12, 30-point font, Times New Roman, underlined, bolded, italics, quotation marks. Loves. 
excuse me, sorry, the quarterbacks. They love talking about the quarterbacks. There's not a single quarterback, except for maybe one, and I think I'm just kind of biased towards them, that I think would get the opportunity to start right away at Auburn. And that's Hayden Wolf. He's the only guy that really impressed me from everyone that I saw that he, he actually got reasonable minutes, reasonable snaps, because he started on a bad Old Dominion team and impressed me. I watched his highlights. He's a really good quarterback. He was good for Old Dominion. And I think in the system that Hugh Freeze has, I think he brings that to Auburn. And excuse me while I drink my water. And ever since Chance Nolan, Oregon, Oregon State, and Ben Bryant from Cincinnati, who's recently into the portal, every time one of those guys enter the portal, Auburn Twitter blows up. Uh, and I, I don't get it. They seem to think that Chance Nolan and Ben Bryant can bring a new level of play to Auburn that they couldn't already at their already power or power five schools. Cincinnati is now a power five. Chance Nolan just transferred out of Oregon State after DJ Ungyalele from Clemson transferred there. And after a season where Chance Nolan had seven touchdowns and eight interceptions. Granted, he got hurt, but at the time of his injury, he was throwing seven touchdowns, eight interceptions. And I don't really see what Auburn fans see in him. I, I'm definitely not blinded by the necessary need for a quarterback. I'd be fine with Robbie Ashford of Chance No One. I think Holden Jarrett would start over Chance No One. Because I, I watched Chance No One play, and yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, bring him in. He's not starting. I, when I, I've watched highlights of him, I've, I've watched what I could of him, and he just kind of looks like T.J. Finley in a sense because he doesn't make correct decisions on the field. It, it, it baffles me that he has been getting so much uh, heat from Auburn fans who are wanting to bring him in. And I, right after that, we can talk about Ben Bryant, a guy who kind of took Cincy under. I mean, he was the last year Luke Fickle, and Luke Fickle's a great coach. Wisconsin got a good one. Can't say whether or not that I would have loved Luke Fickle at Auburn. Because uh, I would have. Uh, but I look at it from Ben Bryant. Uh, you had Desmond Ritter for four years. Desmond Ritter took Ben Bryant's job. Ben Bry this, is a, this is Ben Bryant's third time transferring. He was at Cincy. Second time transferring. Third time. Third time. Third time. There it is. Came to Cincy. Lost his job to Desmond Ritter. Transferred out to, I believe, Eastern Michigan. Ritter leaves to the NFL, gets drafted. Uh, then Cincinnati was left with Evan Prater, the uh, young, I believe, sophomore at the time, uh, four-star. Ben Bright comes back from Eastern Michigan, comes back to Cincinnati. Disappoints. Uh, it, it was not good in the slightest. I won't lie. wasn't good. Then he got hurt because Evan Prater started playing later on in the season. Cincinnati, with their new coach, uh, and I believe it was Satterfield, uh, whoever was coaching at Louisville. So I think that was a Satterfield. Uh, there's two of them out there, and they both don't do a good job of call, playing calls so, or play calling. So that's why I can never remember which one's which. One is now at Nebraska's office coordinator. One is now the coach of Cincinnati. How they keep getting jobs, I don't know. Because uh, South Carolina fans really hated their guy. Uh, Louisville guys fans really hated their guy. And now they stepped up, in a sense, I would say, from Louisville to Cincinnati and, of course, from – uh, South Carolina, who is getting good. 
to Nebraska is a lot of money. So that's my two cents on that. But Ben Bryant just transferred out after I believe he lost his job to Emory Jones. And the Auburn fans may remember him from leading the SEC in interceptions at Florida. And this that was during a season where Anthony Richardson kind of went off for the first time. This when Anthony Richardson finally showed up at Florida was because he'd have to come in for Emory Jones so they could score on offense. So what I've been seeing on Auburn Twitter, for the very least, on Auburn Twitter, is they want to bring a guy in because they are sick and tired of Robbie Ashford, Holden Jenner. They want to bring in two guys who are transferring out of their places for presumptively losing their job after they did not perform well in 2022. That I, I don't get it. I'll never get it. It makes no sense to me. I've watched Ben Bryant play Ben Bryant play because Cincinnati is my second team that I like to root for because I'm into the Big 14. But that's not here nor there. I'm a little I have a little bias. I'll have a little love for Cincinnati. I watched Ben Bryant play. He's not good. And I can't really look at Ben Bryant or Chance Nolan right now and look at them and say that they'd start. I think Holden Jenner has a higher ceiling than both those guys. I think he has more potential than both those guys. Same thing with Robbie Ashford. I think he has a higher ceiling and more potential. And the thing is, from what I saw from Robbie Ashford, yes, he threw the same touchdowns and interceptions. Yes, it makes no sense. Statistically, it makes no sense. Robbie Ashford and Holden Jenner both have more to offer to a new coach in Hugh Freeze's Auburn team right now than two guys who just lost their jobs. I, it makes no sense. And I think you bringing in two guys who, frank, frankly, aren't good to start on a team that you have a fan base with expectations. And, yes, the transfer portal has been slow. Yes, no, none of the home run quarterback uh, recruit players have entered the portal yet. But does that mean you're going to just start bobbing for rotten apples? That's not what you want to do. And just to move on from the quarterbacks conversation, because I know I've been talking for a long time about the quarterbacks, wide receivers, I'm just going to go through the list. Uh, those were the two. Those were just, I had to get off my chest. Had to let y'all know how I thought about the, tra- the transfer quarterbacks. Uh, Jordan Hudson, wide receiver from TCU, has been getting a lot of traction uh, ever since Auburn lost to Verge Dawson. You know, just bring another wide receiver just to beef that room up a little bit. Uh, offensive line, this one. Offensive lines when is uh, where Auburn's getting a lot of uh, player traction, player interest. Uh, starting off with Emmanuel uh, Pregnon, the inside offensive tack, offensive guard uh, from Wyoming. He's been getting traction because uh, literally everyone and their mama has offered him a full ride. Uh, Auburn was one of, I believe, from the last post I saw, twenty-two teams that offered him, and I just want to know the kid's good. And he's not the only one. Uh, if you look at Cameron Johnson from Houston, uh, another offensive tackle, he's been getting a lot of traction too, from what I've been hearing. I've heard a lot of people talk about him. Uh, last guy I'm talking about, Jaden Muskrat, uh, offensive guard from Tulsa. He is one of the guys I'm going to talk about who's gotten off the, has gotten an official visit. Uh, and that's because he's from Tulsa. And if you don't know, Philip Montgomery, Philip with one L, by the way, Philip Montgomery, Auburn's offensive coordinator was the head coach at Tulsa last year. So obvious, you know, uh, connection there. We saw it with Dylan Wade, uh, the new offensive tackle that we got in uh, the pe- previous transfer transfer uh, season. 
So those are often the tag off of the guards. It's clear that Auburn really wants to beef up the O-line as much as possible because it's one of those positions. O-line and D-line are the two positions you want the most depth at no matter what because those are the guys that are going to be constantly going in and out because those are the hardest working MFers on the field at any given time. And then I couldn't really find any D linemen that Auburn have been interested, has been interested in. Uh, if I have missed one, just let me know in the comments. I know there's some edge rushers out there, but I don't know if edge rusher is as poor in the position as a lot of people have been saying it is because I think Auburn goes three deep. And I think, you got two guys who have – we got Kodrick Falk, who's a young gun in the making. You have Elijah McAllister with SEC experience. And, of course, you have Dylan Brooks, who is another has been on the team for a couple of years now and is uh, right now, I believe, the third string on the team right now. I don't really think edge rushers as much as a position of need as a lot of people have been saying it is. Uh, and when I think of position of needs, outside of quarterback and wide receiver, I think of linebacker as my, like, 1B category right now. And Auburn is actually – got an official visit from a linebacker from Cincinnati named Jaheim Thomas, who I believe, if my stats are correct, I think he led Cincinnati in tackling. Uh, either that or he just has 95 tackles across three seasons, which I think is actually more correct. So uh, he's a guy who you can bring in. I'm sorry if I saw my hat. Uh, that's something to do. Uh, a guy who can come in and probably immediately start at linebacker. Like, and I mean immediately a linebacker, because I don't know if you've been listening to the show at all. Uh, I have been very disappointed in the linebacker room throughout the entire spring. It has been abysmal. Uh, and the only guy I've had positive things to say about has been Robert Woodyard. And it's very telling. Of That was a guy that Bama really wanted. Auburn flipped him. And now he, I believe he is one of the better linebackers on the team. So he needs a guy next to him. Uh, to actually be good as well, because I've been disappointed with every linebacker thus far uh, this spring. And I would love it if they all proved me wrong. I would love it. It'd be amazing. Because, uh, you know what? If we don't need a transfer and they can step up, wonderful. Be chef's kiss, actually, if they can find a way to step up at the linebacker core. Last position I'm talking about is defensive backs. I only found really one. Uh, Auburn might need some depth of safety. So I found Robert Rahimi. Safety from Liberty and obvious connection to Hugh Freeze there. Do you want to make a podcast? Well, Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money as well. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and literally everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it is totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it's been so easy to get the show out to y'all, and I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to Spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. And now... Don't basketball. We're doing football. It was 20 minutes of straight football. Let's go. I'll start with men's basketball, which has been, oh boy, for the past two two days, three days. It's been a week, three weeks. It feels like three weeks since all this happened. Starting off with LeBaron Phylon decommitting from Auburn University. The six foot four combo guard from Mobile was a four star, best player from the state of Alabama. 
and as now the second player to decommit from the class of 2024, leaving Tahad Pettiford as the only commit for, from this class. So Peyton Marshall decommitted a while back. I think we talked about it two shows ago last week, I think it was. It was a huge loss because Auburn is just super need for, for big men right now. And I'm hearing word that this was in regards to Denver Jones transferring into Auburn and LeBaron Phylon did not like that, so he decommitted. Uh, so I don't know if it's cause for panic right now. Uh, it definitely is teetering. If I had to put it like on a traffic light, it'd probably be like a yellow. Because I still, I still think they can turn this class around. Todd Pettiford is a five-star. So Auburn's still very highly ranked in the uh, in the class. Just need to pick up some more bodies. I don't. I can. I trust Bruce Pearl to do that. But it does add the question: Should Auburn be really concerned about the class twenty-four? Because right now it stands at one. When last week it was three. And yeah, it's a little. It's a little rough. Uh, maybe West Flanagan leaving for Ole Miss has something to do with it. Maybe Denver Jones was the issue that. LeBaron had, but right now we don't know. And now to talk about people Auburn has lost, talk people to talk about people Auburn has gained. Cheney Johnson has transferred to Auburn from UA of Huntsville, a uh, six foot seven guard slash forward, average fifteen point three points per game and about thirty percent from three point line. Uh, great pickup, uh, really under the radar pickup, really because he's from Huntsville. Uh, because one of the, those guys are just really below radar you don't if he's not like a power five it doesn't really get a lot of traction if they're not basketball school but i think it's a guy that auburn is desperately for six foot seven gives you some height especially at the three or four position that you desperately need and i mean that's all i've been hearing about him uh i think it's a great pickup i think he might end up being a uh a uh, great piece on next year's team especially if auburn can add in a couple more transfers preferably at the five position uh, please uh, do not want Dylan Cardwell starting for all 40 games. So it would be lovely if Auburn can get one more guy. And then another guy Auburn has been talking about, Matthew Cleveland, has listed his top three, and Auburn is one of them. I believe it is Miami and Missouri that are also in the contention for uh, the 6'7 guard from Florida State University, Matthew Cleveland. Uh, it would be huge if Auburn gets him. Maybe they can. Uh, a lot of traction. Auburn fans have been going crazy about him on Twitter. So, you know, fingers crossed, uh, be a cool graphic that I can make up in a, uh, in a quick, fast, in a hurry. Last player I'm going to talk about, Johan Treo, or off to Santa Barbara after he transferred out of Auburn. Actually, last player I'm going to talk about, Jalen Williams has declared for the NBA draft, keeping his collegiate eligibility. I think that's one of the guys that we could see get drafted as well. But I wouldn't be shocked if he came back. Wouldn't be shocked at all. It's, it's the same thing with Janai Broom. Uh, just testing the waters, just see how well your name is about uh, to other coaches and see what you need to prove on and come back and then go to the NBA next year. And these are something that both these guys can do. So right now, I, I don't think it's something major uh, to worry about. Jay Will, I believe, is more likely to come back than he stay for the draft unless he just pops off, which he definitely could. He definitely might uh, and get picked up. And you know what? Maybe go to Oklahoma City Thunder where he can join – and make a whole trio of Jalen Williams's. So that'd be really dope. And then my last bit of men's basketball news, Bruce Pearl has hired Corey Williams from Texas Tech University as the new assistant coach, replacing Wes Flanagan, who, of course, as I mentioned, has left for Ole Miss. Now, 
we talked about it last year, uh, or last week, uh, with, I believe, I know his last name was Tyson. I don't know if it was Julius Tyson, uh, transferred from Texas Tech, that Tarr was really high on, really wants to come to Auburn. This is the key right here. So, yeah, that's men's basketball. Just players leaving, players coming in, coaches coming in. Uh, it's Last two days of men's basketball has been a whirlwind of emotions. It's just been all over the place. And, you know, that's just what happens with this logo. This logo right here is AU right there. It causes this. It, it does this a lot. Uh, it, it We don't really know what's going on. Uh, as for women's basketball, not really about a lot of news about women's basketball. So I'm just going to skip straight to baseball uh, because, you know, we talked women's basketball uh, still picking up transfers left and right. Uh, let's see, baseball game one fell or game one won uh, to, against the Mississippi State Bulldogs two to one. And, you know, it was a really good showing from Auburn overall. Cooper McMurray got a home run. Excuse me, I got to get more water as I'm talking. And, of course, <coughs> excuse me, you had Bobby Pierce fly out to center field, giving Chris Stanfield the score. And, uh, sorry, it's got a text. Yeah, overall, game one, pitching, great. Only gave up four hits, and Tommy Vale again popped off. Right now, he is Auburn's best pitcher, and it is absolutely no question as to who Auburn's best pitcher is right now. Uh, you are still down Jogo, and at this point, I believe we could just say that he's down for the count for the rest of the season. I don't think Jogo's coming back in anytime soon. And for what game one was, game two was not. Auburn almost came back. Uh, they were down, I believe, 11-3 to three at the bottom of the ninth inning. Came back, uh, lost 11-10. to 10. It sucks. And, of course, it really sucks whenever you can put most of the blame on the fact that the pitching rotation was bad again. Uh, it was very bad. Uh, very bad, very bad, very bad. Gave up so many runs. Yeah, the... And somehow John Armstrong got the loss, even though he gave he only pitched for point one of an inning, as what that says, and pitched seven pitches, and he got the loss. Did I say that right? Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. So after Tommy Vale, there's not really anyone starting for Auburn at pitcher that is worth a hoot. Is that my thing? Sometimes they get hot and they fix what's going on today yesterday not one of those days uh auburn pitching gave up too many runs and again the offense just try to get them back into it that they've been tr doing all season they've been saving the pitchers butts week in week out there's not a lot they can do scoring seven runs in the bottom of the ninth is out of this world and it would have been crazy if they would have found a way to win this game going into extra innings or you know maybe doing a walk-off. It, it would have been crazy. But the fact of the matter is, it's not a lot you can do when your offense should never be, in that, be put in that situation ever where they need to score eight runs to tie the game, where they need to score nine runs in the ninth inning to win the game. It's something we would talk about week in, week out. Every episode when we talk about baseball has been leading up to the bullpen is bad. It is really bad. And out, out, when you get past Tommy Vale and you don't have Jogo anymore, the pitching 
it's just not there. They're all young. They're all inexperienced. They all get raped. It's rough. It's a rough watch. And it it happens more often than not. Maybe something happens tomorrow. Uh, I don't really know who's pitching right now. We probably won't know until tomorrow. Or I probably won't know tomorrow. Everyone else probably knows but me. But maybe Auburn can find a way to get the offense kickstarted quicker. And maybe just, I guess, the easy thing is to score more runs than Mississippi State. And win a series in a much in a must win scenario. Auburn, I believe, now needs four more wins to make it to Huntsville. And uh, sorry, as Harrison Tarr is now texting me while I'm recording, talk about the New York Rangers winning their series, I believe. And I mean, there's not a lot they can do, except I guess use this season as an opportunity to get better. Uh, maybe next season will be their year. But right now. I don't think Auburn's hosting a regional. I don't think Auburn's going to make regionals because it's been too bad. And you can't put any of the blame this season on the offense. They've been hitting the ball. The pitchers have just been missing the mark. And that's been the theme of the season. That's what's been happening all year. And to wrap up the show with softball, They are now tied with Alabama after a doubleheader on Saturday after, I believe, inclement weather in Tuscaloosa. So I'll push both games to today where they split. Auburn, of course, I believe lost game one. They lost six to one in game one, and they won five to one in game two. And I believe they're going to need Matty Pitta tomorrow in an opportunity to win the game. Uh, And I believe we might be sitting Matty Pitta versus Montana Fouts, uh, which. Those are two of the best pitchers in America right there. That's who I think they might throw out there. Uh, and it's going to be a pitching duel. It's probably going to end up being whoever scores the first, I guess, two runs is going to win the game. Uh, but talk about the games yesterday. Uh, Auburn just struggled in game one. You got a Denver Bryant homer in the sixth inning. And then you go to the second game and then everything got lit up. You had Denver Bryant get another home run. That was two in one day which was a three RBI home run to put Auburn up 3-0 in the first inning. You're going to need a lot more of those and in quick succession uh, to finish out the series against a top uh, higher-ranked Alabama team. And Bree Ellis also got her signature Bree bomb in the bottom of the six to really close out the game, or, uh, put the last nail on the coffin, if you will. But, yeah, uh, baseball in a must-win, softball in a – I don't I don't think, I don't think it's a must-win, but – you like to beat your rivals, especially Alabama. They are the number one rival to your school. So I guess it's a must win because you want to beat Alabama. But, yeah, both those teams, of course, tied up in their series and really going to need a lot of help from their pitching. And, you know, got to be honest, one of these sports is a lot more <laughs> not a uh, little more or less in trouble at the pitching position than the other. And, I guess you probably can put two pieces together and figure out which one I'm talking about with that. But yeah, with all being said, that'll wrap up the show. I'm Dylan Lark at you boy, the tank on Twitter. If you're watching, it's just right. Sorry. New place. I'm recording at for right now for today. It's just right there, right there at you boy, the tank at Y a B O Y the tank. Also go follow Harrison Tar and Daniel Luck on Twitter. Just look up by Harrison Tarr, like you're, writing, like you're reading a byline, as he would say, and at Daniel J. Locke. And, of course, follow the college loop literally everywhere. 
Uh, but before I say that, before I get to that shit, make sure to go watch me on the Auburn Daily Show every Monday and Wednesday. Monday with Lance Dahl, Wednesday with Harrison Tarr. Almost forgot that. Can't forget that. But yeah, go follow Cards Loop literally everywhere. That is Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to listen to us, you got us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and of course, Google Podcasts. But again, sadly, we are not on MySpace. I did tell y'all, get us to 1,000 subs, we'll make a MySpace. And we'll post on there too. I don't know how MySpace works. I'm way too young for MySpace. And that's something I never thought I'd ever say about something. But yeah, with all that being said, as I look for the branding uh, that I have now am able to add to the show, sorry about that. Uh, where is it? Oh my lord! Uh, there we go. As all that being said, this has been a College Loop podcast. <laughs> <laughs>